Season 1, Episode 17, Critique Groups and the Culture of Writing with guest author Jason June. Jason June is a New York Times bestselling author of Jay's Gay Agenda, Out of the Blue, Riley Weaver Needs a Date to the Gay Butant, and more books about queer joy and love and lust and magic. When not writing, JJ can be found getting style inspiration from Laura Dern or trying to figure out just how hard it would be to make Jurassic Park a real thing. He lives in Austin, Texas with his husband and Pomeranian and can be found on social media at HeyJasonJune and on his website, HeyJasonJune.com. So Jason, we are super excited to have you and we'll just dive right in. Um, you said when we reached out to you that you're super passionate about critique groups, our writing journeys, and just the weird pressures we place on ourselves in children's and YA spaces. So the first question we had is just what are features that you found in critique groups that you really liked? And what, yeah, just what aspects about critique groups do you like and what don't you like? Yeah, so critique groups are really a huge part of me being able to start my publishing journey and getting published. Um, I find that what was super helpful for me at first was reaching out to currently published authors that offered critique services uh, mm -hmm. and getting their feedback because I think there's a special, um, there's a special lens that they're looking at it knowing how to get published or having been published and kind of knowing a little bit more about like what agents or editors are, are going to be asking. Yeah. Uh, but then also sometimes that means that's money. And for most people it's money because we should value authors time or whatever. So mm -hmm. obviously you can't be doing that all the time because that racks up a big bill. So what is super helpful is finding a, a critique group of people who want to be published and who want to be published in the same thing that you want to get published for. So if you're going for picture books, to do picture books, if you're trying to do young adult, find other young adult writers, that kind of thing. Because theoretically, people are reading what it is they want to be writing for. So like myself, I read young adult all the time because we should know kind of the overarching themes and tones that are for our target audience. So if you have a critique group that's a little bit all over the place in terms of like genre or in terms of age group, I would suggest really honing that to being people who are more in line with your publishing goals specifically, because uh, then you're getting everybody's like wealth of knowledge there in terms of what they've heard from other authors or from agent and editor critiques specifically for your target audience. That's so important because there's a lot of times, like for me, there's a lot of times where strictly adult authors would not be able to give me helpful critique on young adult work. A lot of times. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of times like the wants and worries and needs of teens are different than the wants and worries and needs of a 50 year old. And so if somebody mm -hmm. typically writes that kind of protagonist and an older protagonist, it can get hard to wrap your head around the new space. That's not to say that people can't, then they can give you good story feedback and everything, but it's the most powerful and effective and efficient feedback I find when your critique group is consisting of people who have the same publishing goals as you do. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. That is a really good piece of advice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I joined, I joined a group. That was how I got into writing is I joined a critique group um, through Facebook. And I remember the moderator of the group was very, very specific about the genre 
um, and about what we were talking about, I mean, what we were writing. And um, I think I barely hit the mark because the rest of them were all published authors and I wasn't. But it was it was really cool to see how that critique group was run compared to the other ones that I've been a part of. It was just very more streamlined and very like it was just yeah, it was just really cool. And that's yeah, exactly what you're saying. That's the thing too, that streamline, that word is really standing out to me because uh, authors who are published know what it's like after that first time. They're like, okay, I know the whole process of getting a manuscript from my computer to a published book. And of course, there's so Mm -hmm. much outside of our control and nothing is Mm -hmm. ever a guarantee that what we're writing will become a book. But uh, there's a lot of times where new writers, myself included, can hold ourselves back because we're getting too um, we're getting too focused on things that might not matter in the overarching scheme of things and the minutia of things, and so that's another big thing that I think of with critique groups. What's really important is that there is some kind of rule about how it's going to be structured, like when you're going to give in pages and all that, and that it's known upfront, and that people are honest when they can't meet those rules anymore because then it's kind of like oh well i'm wasting other people's time if i'm not able to read their work and give feedback or if i'm not giving them anything to give feedback on and uh it's i know for a lot of people that sounds a little uptight but really i just think honesty is the best policy and open communication because if Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're on the same page and then you're not on the same page uh you just gotta say it and it's not a it's not hard feelings if if the way a critique group is structured isn't going to work for you anymore. It's just like, hey, it's not going to work for me anymore. And I wish everybody well, and I can't wait to read your books. And it should be the same for the critique group members where it's like, hey, thanks for being honest with us and letting us know that you won't be able to participate anymore. And we wish you well too. It doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. I love that. I think that's really great. I've noticed that in groups um, that are a little bit more casual on the critique side where it's like, that's totally fine if that's what you want. But if you had set it up a certain way, sometimes people aren't always open. And I know I've struggled with this in the past too, because I am afraid of, oh, I don't want to offend you and say, oh, I'm sorry. Like this isn't working. I still like you as a person and I want your book to be successful and I want your writing to be successful. But I think that's great. Yeah, definitely. And and less structured groups definitely are welcomed in everything too, because sometimes people just need the casual nature. I've been a part of groups mm-hmm. where it's like, you don't have to worry about having pages in if you don't have pages in, but be sure that for those who have turned in pages that you have critiqued those, where it's yeah. way more like loosey-goosey and more just like, I'm trying to feel out this project and I don't want to be rushed. That's great too. Just be sure that the structure is clear from the jump. That's awesome. Yeah, so um so kind of going along that line, what what like what have you seen done or what have you done? Like what do you suggest when you run into problems with groups? So like lack of accountability, late submissions, just stuff like that. What kind of things have you seen done? Yeah. What's been nice is the groups I've been a part of have all been people that that we're aligned with my type A Virgo energy where we've never really had a problem. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> Which is super great. Um, I do think if if you do come across a problem, I think it's always better to do a phone call versus a email or a text because people can really misconstrue 
your energy over just written word, which is funny yeah. because we're all writers and we're trying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying. Sure. yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I would start with saying like the person that might be having issues in the group, if you're noticing it just to call them and, uh, and talk it out. And maybe even before that call another trusted member of the group first and just say, Hey, these are things I'm noticing. Are you noticing that too? Or am I overreacting? Because sometimes there's just personal issues where things rub you personally the wrong way. And that's something that you need to take accountability for as an individual, because, you know, like my therapist will always say, <laughs> your feelings are not another person's fault. That's the way that your body and mind and heart are reacting is not another person's fault. Uh, so you have to deal with them. But if it is something that uh, that a specific person is straight up just not following what y'all set up as your guidelines and structure, then I think it's good to do that call with another member first to make sure that they're interpreting it the same way. And then after that, you talk to that person that has an issue individually. Don't make it a big group thing at first uh, because that really just puts somebody on the spot and makes them feel defensive. And you can just straight up ask them like, hey, is everything all right? Or do you still, I'm noticing that you're not meeting our our guidelines that we have anymore. And we just want to make sure that everyone's really getting the most out of it. And if, if you're not able to keep up anymore, um, do not feel like that's a judgment of your character. Just be honest with us because we cherish you, but we need to be able to stick with what we've said for the betterment of everybody. I love that. And I can definitely relate to that. Um, Cause I think too, like sometimes people might not be meeting those standards because of things that are just going on in their personal life that we might not have knowledge of, you know, so giving them that opportunity to talk to you one-on-one -on -one and just letting them know that we do still cherish you as a person. Yeah. Um, opens it up for that. Um, and that kind of leads into our next question because I feel like sometimes in the writing space, especially if we're writing young adults or children's, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And sometimes that can feed into us contributing to a critique group or like talking to others more openly. So how do you combat pressures you feel being in the writing world, especially in those spaces? Oh man, it's, <laughs> yeah, we have new things thrown at ourselves all the time. There's just our internal pressures where, you know, we have our own goals for our careers that we want to have and those can be tough to deal with. And then there's like societal pressures. Like for me right now, uh, something that's heavy on my mind is just the increasing call for bans and censorship of queer stories. Cause that's what I write. And mm -hmm. that can be tough when like your art is politicized to say, here's something that's wrong about humanity and just to be called awful words and uh, labeled terrible, terrible things that are not who you are whatsoever. Yeah. It can yeah. weigh on you. And um, the way that I have dealt with these things are twofold. For my own personal pressures, I just have to keep writing. And whether that's, whether it's stuff that I'm currently working on that's under contract, which I mean, I would suggest you do write those because you know, that's <laughs> yeah, a little contract. bit important, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then also just letting my mind play and coming up with new ideas that I can like keep on the back burner for when it's time that I can start a new project or writing in different styles and mediums where I'm also like tinkering around with 
scripts and writing pilots of sitcoms and stuff because that's really making me laugh right now. It's making me feel really uh, happy to spend time on that. And then it also reminds me that there is something other than where I currently write, which is in the young adult and children's space. And that nobody in the in the, like the sitcom space is going on Twitter and calling us groomers and pedophiles like they are in the young adult space. So it's a good reminder when I play around with different formats that, that I can be a writer and I can take trips into these other avenues of writing that are less emotionally fraught and give myself a little break before I jump back into uh, writing stories that that I knew I needed when I was a teen and I know that teens today need to. And, but sometimes you just need a little emotional and heart recharge to make sure you're writing the things that are best for everybody. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's just writing for yourself. Just try to remember and remind yourself why you love it and um, why you're passionate about it. Just kind of taking that time for yourself. Completely. Okay, I was going to ask, I, um, that kind of leads me to what I was going to ask you next. Um, so, like, when you're specifically, do you have any specific tools that you use to, like, keep yourself motivated, um, you know, when you hit those outside pressures or when you feel it, like, um, hit yourself, I guess? Yeah, I, um, it's funny because I, I am a very creative person just like in general I like I like the arts all around where it's and I just like to be immersed in other people's art and in addition to my own and so really what keeps me motivated is to to watch or read or consume the things that I love and getting my own like personal fulfillment out of arts which reminds me like that's why I'm doing this so I can hopefully be giving that same feeling to somebody else so whether it's like binging binging a new show that I'm obsessed with or or like going out and uh, seeing a little bit of the world and getting to go to museums and seeing paintings and sculptures and things that's like wow how did somebody how did somebody do this and will anybody ever feel the same way I'm feeling right now with whatever I create is a definite motivating factor for me it's just it's really it's really a special thing and I realized just now after coming home from my first ever in-person novel book tour for Riley Weaver. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, because JSK Agenda and Out of the Blue, my first two novels came out during the pandemic. And so Riley Weaver Needs a Date to the Gaby Tom Ball came out a couple weeks ago. In, or in, I mean, when this airs, it'll be a couple months ago. Uh, but mm -hmm. it came out late May and getting actually to see people and talk about my work and have people say they want to hear about it and like, how it came to be and all that stuff has been such a motivating factor where I really, I really love talking about the things that inspire my, my books with people because my, my books are meant to be conversations with my readers. And I never get to be a part of those conversations because reading is such a solitary act and writing is such a mm -hmm. solitary act. Yeah. So actually meeting readers is a huge motivational factor factor for myself too. That's awesome. Does social media help with that too? Like being able to connect yes. with people on social media? Yes. It's one of the bright spots of social media, getting to have DMs or little tweets about people reading my book or how much it meant to them or where they felt seen has been so, so, so special. And it's, it's funny. It's where like social media can be such a double-edged sword, right? Where it's like, sometimes it's, exactly. it, 
yeah, it feels really, really great. And then other times it'll cut you to the quick where people can use the same tool to be amazing or to be awful. And so it's nice that there's the amazing part to it too. <laughs> so I think that's pretty much all of the specific questions we had, but I do feel like you are so passionate about this and I've loved all your insights so far. Do you have any other advice to our listeners who are starting out on their writing journey? Yes, big time. Uh, the first thing is just keep at it. I'm not one of those that says you have to write every single day in order to like keep the juice flowing or whatever. I don't think that's the case. But I do think even if there are days where you can get just 100 words out or 50 words out to do it. And it doesn't have to be like, Sometimes we're sitting down, or sometimes the act of going to our computer and sitting down can be so daunting where we're like, I don't know what I'm gonna write. But if you have a moment where you're like standing in line for coffee or at the grocery store or wherever it is, and you're like, oh wait, this would be a really amazing thing. Just open up your notes app and type the sentence that you think is super great or the bit of dialogue or whatever it is. Because all of those little moments add up. Like if you wrote a hundred words a day for every day for a year, you would have a middle grade manuscript. And if you yeah. did it for two years, you've had a young adult manuscript or an adult manuscript. And that's just at a hundred words a day. And that's a wild thing. It took me two years to write my first novel manuscript. Um, and you just, you're learning about yourself in the process and don't feel like it's too slow or get down on yourself because you're not cranking out a novel in NaNoWriMo in a month, or you're not cranking it out <laughs> even in a season. Yeah or whatever it's like that is great for some people when it's great for them and it's not even great for those people all the time a lot of people have widely varying time frames for writing novels it just depends on the characters and the subject matter and like how it's relating to their life at that time or how it's related to a big chunk of their life in the past that's just been present in their heart for a while it is a different journey for every single novel so don't get down on yourself and if you can write every day make it just a hundred words just do that and i mean if you can go longer go longer but if you can set this goal of a hundred words and even if you're doing it in 10 word stints that is all gonna add up it's wild and then you'll have a hundred words and be like i didn't even sit down to write today and it's like yeah but you still wrote and you'll still have this novel and that's an amazing thing and then my other bit of advice as it relates to critique groups is how to be a good critiquer and what I think is super important and it can be hard at first is to try to capture in your mind what it is your critique group members are doing in their own work and try to be able to name what their voice is and their tone and how uh, how it differs from yours because the worst critiquer in my mind is one who gives feedback about how they would write a story not how you would write a story if they can't say here's what i know you're trying to do and here's how i suggest you do it in your voice then that's not a good critique group member for you and if you can't do it to another person for another person then you're not a good critique group member for them and sometimes that's part of it too, is not just making sure you're writing for the same age group or writing for the same genre or whatever it is, but making sure you can actually uh, give your fellow members critiques for them and not for how you would want it or for how you would write it. Because that is 
it becomes such a huge setback for everybody. It's a waste of your time and it's a waste of their time. And I am so lucky that I have like my editor soulmate with my books at HarperCollins. My editor's name is Megan Elnitsky and she just gets it. She always is able to name in her editorial letters what it is I'm trying to say. And then when she thinks it's not happening, she'll explain why. And then she'll give me little brief bullet points about how she thinks I can do it in my way. So it still sounds like a JJ novel. Uh, and that is so, yeah, it's so fantastic. And it's so important that we do that as critique group members. Uh, and also be honest with yourself. If you can't, not even just for a specific person, but if you're just too in your head about your wants and your likes and how you write things, you have to be honest with yourself. And it doesn't make you a bad person if you're like, well, I can't do it for somebody who writes really funny and I write really literary or whatever. It's just you acknowledging your strengths and your weaknesses. And that's something that we need to embrace because especially in a children's space, we have this overemphasis on the like, um, on the, the cozy like kumbaya of it all, which I do genuinely believe as a person, like we should lead our interactions with love with all types of people and make everyone feel as welcome as possible. But then it doesn't make you a bad person to be able to say this specific writer or this type of book I am not able to be a help with because we just have our own wants and strengths and weaknesses, like I said. So don't feel bad about yourself if you have to tell somebody no. Tell them no and say it with love and respect and well wishes. There's, it's, it's a human thing. We have our limits. That's great. I love that. That is so awesome. So I do have one more question for you then, if that's okay. Yes, kind of, of course. Related to that. So you talked about finding critique partners that can, and being a critique partner who can help understand someone's voice. And I feel like after reading your novels that you have a very unique voice. How, what advice would you give to writers about developing their own voice so that they can know when to say, no, sorry, I don't think that critique lines up with my voice and they can really tell the story that's in their heart. Yeah, I love that. For me, it really helped um, understanding what I can't write. <laughs> like, I cannot, yeah. I cannot write literary. I, uh, that's just not me. I am not able to say things in ways that wouldn't naturally come to me or my closest friends and family members in conversation. And mm -hmm. one a thing that's really, and this is not all to say like literary novels are bad or anything like that. I love literary novels. People can find the coolest ways to work language to describe feelings and thoughts and still make it seem so universal, even though we would never voice things in, in a specific way like literary novels do. Um, but it is to say for me, What's really important to me is I want my readers to be able to feel like they could be the star of the stories that I'm writing. That uh, that there's not this like, there's not a big gap between their use of language and my character's use of language that makes it where they couldn't jump right into it and be a part of the group. I want everyone to feel like welcomed. And yes, we're, we're telling this story in everyday speak and with, with puns and quips and things like that uh, because I lead my life with laughter and trying to find the humor and joy in things. Um, and so when you're developing your voice, I think it's really important to follow that voice in your head. Like as you are looking at the world, how are you, what do you, 
what are you saying to yourself about it? What are you saying to yourself about the people that you're attracted to, whether it's their personality that you're attracted to or it's their physical uh, being that you're attracted to? How do you describe that to yourself? How do you describe your surroundings and your favorite room in your house or your the, the setting in which you're most comfortable? How do you describe that? I don't describe it by saying like, you know, the, I wouldn't ever say, her red hair burst in the wind like auburn fireworks against the setting yeah. ombre of the sun or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. I don't speak like that. Some people are able to describe that self uh, or that sort of uh, setting or environment to themselves and would use those words in their head. And that's amazing. And it can be so beautiful. And I'm like, I'm always amazed by literary writers and going, you make language beautiful. That is such a fantastic, amazing talent. And I think my voice is more about making language funny and uh, making language be uh, a way to vent and a mode to get your your anxieties out. Because I have a lot of like anxious characters. Um, and so I would just say, go go with the voice that is in your head. That's it. And if you if you're needing to develop your voice, step away from your projects and just describe stuff around you. Describe your best friend. Describe the first person you ever kissed. Describe uh, your favorite family meal or tradition. Describe those things, how you would describe it. Don't describe it in a way where it's like, uh, if you're describing that family tradition, you're describing it in such a way that nobody in your family would recognize you in it. Describe it how you would say it to yourself. And uh, that is a really big way of, of flexing your voice muscle. And then the more you do that, the more you'll be able to describe your fictional characters goings on in that same voice. That's amazing. That is so awesome. I have, I have been, so I have always struggled with, well, with like description, mostly because I'm a little ADD. And so I, I have a hard time slowing down. And yeah. so the dis the the critiques that I usually get from my critique group is like, explain what's going on around the person. Like, what do they see? What do they feel? And so recently, I've kind of challenged myself to really try to focus on the senses and like describing the senses. And so that is like, that's awesome. But I too, I'm I'm probably I'm not as casual as as you are, but I'm I'm pretty casual writer. I love sarcasm and yeah quips and that's like that's how I make my writing fun for myself is just being annoying yeah <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like my books are campy and flamboyant because I'm campy and flamboyant yeah. and uh, it's just yeah it's so fun because that's where you really you infuse your heart in it even if you're going through or have been through things that are totally different than what your characters have yeah. uh, it will feel like you when you when you throw that heart in there and and see see this see the character story through the lens of how you view the world that's really where your voice lies yeah thank you so much <laughs> yeah that was so awesome um thank you for being here this has been so great um we we're, we're gonna finish up and what we like to do at the end of our um episodes is to give our listeners a challenge um so JJ, do you have a challenge for our listeners? Oh wow! I know you said a few different things. Um, yeah, kind of challenge a few to a few different things, but anything specific um, about like what you've talked about or yes, anything? I will say I will challenge 
the writers here to try writing something that you think you that you think is like beyond you and even if it's not something that you're going to finish through try to come up with and i mean mostly in terms of like genre whether it's like you write contemporary so you're going to try a fantasy concept or uh or you know you think sci-fi is too mind-bending to actually do it try to write a sci-fi concept even because you'll be surprised when talking about our voice like we were just saying once you are able to really say what your voice is it will be surprising how almost every genre will open up to you because you'll be able to just infuse your voice in that moment i've had the sci-fi concept for years and it hasn't been the right time for me i would never say i'm going to be a sci-fi writer but as i get more and more confident in my voice i'm like wait a minute i actually might be able to do this now and i just got to find out the nitty gritty thing so my challenge is to just come up with the concept of something that you think you would never write and you can just let it sit and then go back to what you're usually writing and then you'll be surprised how that little bit of a seed in your subconscious will all of a sudden start to grow over time that is awesome okay that is a great challenge Thank you yep. for being here. It has been so great. So many awesome insights. Um, thank you so really much for having me. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, thank you. So excited for this premiere. We'll let you know as it gets closer again too. Yes, thank yeah. you. That'd be amazing. And this was so fun. I'm rooting for everybody. I can't wait until we're we're all buying your books from the bookstore shelves. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, and congrats again on your new novel. Thank you I'll so much. I'll have to go read it. Yeah. Fabulous. Thank you so much for this time, y'all. Okay. See ya. See ya. See you later. Bye. Because if you're drowning in words, then so are we. And you might as well not do it alone.